all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. Good morning, and thanks for listening. This is Relatively Speaking, and I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Well, my grandmother always said, honey, life is what you make it. She said that every time anybody would get down or think things weren't fair for them or that something had or had not changed that they thought should or should not. Well, you know what? Now there is scientific evidence that proves that my sweet little grandmother was right. She lived to be 96, and she, she really just took life in stride and did all the right stuff to take care of herself. Well, now we know science shows that we can all live longer and better by the choices that we make, and we can really literally reboot our lives. Um, If we felt like we were in the wrong direction, if you do now, if you feel like you're on the wrong track, um, today we're going to talk about how, how you can change that, how you can make your life better. You know, I remember, I'm going to tell you a story about something that that happened to me so many years ago. And um, this discussion is a little bit about that. I remember that when I was on the Mississippi Gulf Coast touring Beauvoir, um, Jefferson Davis's home, the grounds were beautiful, and there were a lot of interesting outbuildings outside of the property, obviously, because it's a very, very old home place, or, or was, I think, unfortunately, with Katrina, a lot of it had to be rebuilt. But we were there before um, Katrina. And um, one of the really interesting buildings was down the hill and and a bit of a walk. It was down a, a a decline that was a stone path. So you had to be kind of sure-footed. My husband and I were talking about which path we would take first, which building we wanted to look at, and I noticed there was a young family standing there. The mother, father, and children were all there together, but the father and the kids, both young, probably 8 and 10, were telling the mother to just sit up there at the top of the hill and wait for them as they toured the buildings down the hill because they wanted to go. It was very clear mother was unable to navigate down the hill. She was very, very much overweight, and it was obvious that it would be risky for her to to go down the decline. 
And that scene stuck in my mind. It made me sad that the mother couldn't join her children in the exploration. Well, fast forward to this month. National Geographic's most recent publication had an article in it that made all of that rush back. The article starts off with asking that you take a moment to visualize your favorite place to visit and then imagine yourself reaching the top of that hill or summit or staircase or whatever it is and then turn around and watch others go up and to watch the difference in the individuals. And and the author of this article divided the individuals into two different groups. Um, one group um, literally ran up happily the steps and, and didn't seem to struggle at all. And the other group of individuals were people who took three or four steps, had to stop and catch their breath, and took a while to get up there and clearly did not look pleased or happy at all that they were having to do this. Well, I don't know if you can divide people into two um, different groups like that. I think there's probably um, a lot of gray in between that black and white. But I think what the the point that he was making was that um, obviously some has to do with size and age, but but others others of it have to do more with your level of fitness and how you're taking care of yourself. Well, we've talked a whole lot of times on this show about how. Genetics has less to do with our ultimate outcome than than I think we all originally thought, that some of it certainly is in, gen- in, in the genetic aspect, but in reality, only about 20 to 30 percent of who we become is just absolutely set with our genes. That other 70 to 80 percent is what we do, how we make our lives, what we do with our lives, and, and how we set things. And I'm going to say one other thing, too, because I think in all fairness, we know some people have an environment that is preset for them. And so sometimes environmentally, um, as a child and young adult, it's very hard to um, have the right kind of environment that makes it easy to to sort of override the genetic makeup, okay? You know, if you listened to Healthy and Fit on MPB yesterday, you heard about nutrition and dietary choices. Today, I want to talk about overall choices and how we can enhance our lives by making good choices. You know, I hear parents, my daughter, uh, my, both my daughters um, and daughter-in-law say this often. Did, was that a good choice? Was that a good choice to their children? Honey, did you make a good choice? In fact, I, I said both. Three of my daughters and my daughter-in-law all use that. But, you know, sometimes good choices are not apparent. But it is never too late to change. 
it may be too late to undo some damage, but there are many, many, many examples of older individuals choosing to change and making remarkable changes in their lives and their sense of well-being. So as Jay and I were talking about the show before this started, Jay, I I just pointed (laughs) to you as one of those individuals who made a choice, and and you are rebooting your life, I think. (laughs) I do. Well, yes, I'm kind of always on a... Um, a, a laughable, if you ask my boss, mission to refine and simplify, and I don't know. I think I, 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 I fancy myself as somebody that wants to automate as much as possible. But That's like, good. as soon as I get into the minutiae of it, I'm like, that's too much. <laughs> but anyway, I don't know. But I, I like that uh, your daughters both ask their kids, "Is that a good decision, or did you make a good decision?" I think when I'm talking to my kids, that comes off as, why did you do that? (laughs) And I don't know if that's, you know, they're probably coming from a better starting place. Yeah. 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 I think maybe it depends on the level of what they did. Exactly. That may bring Um, up, why did you do that? Well, but I will say that the why did you do that question is probably none, not one time should you ever ask that because the answer (laughs) invariably is I don't know. Right. Right. Um, so why yeah. are you on the roof? Why are you on the roof? Burnt, burnt chicken nuggets at passing cars <laughs> at 2 a.m. Like, wait, huh? How did how did you get to that? Clearly boys. Right. right. Well, yes, absolutely. Of course. Of course. <laughs> That's of course. But, you know, I I do think that even we as adults sometimes why did why did we do that why did we one allow ourselves to get into something that was clearly not good for us or why did we eat that whole pie or <laughs> <laughs> you know why why did we engage in a behavior that was perhaps going to have a bad outcome all of those things i, I think if we made ourselves kind of think back, stop and think, and make good choices, we would all do a little bit better, right? I'll tell you this. I'm, I am, it's, it's funny. I'm at a position in my life. I'm 43 now. Mm. And so now people ask me for advice. And I'm like, huh. Well, I guess I'm the guy that's hung around long enough that, well, he's been here so long, he should know something. So that's, you know, that's the advice questions I get. But yeah, you know, actually, Jay. It's kind of fun, though. That's it a- is. And, and you know, there are markers in life that that have sort of been set. And, you know, before you're 40, typically yeah. people are are thinking forward and thinking what they're going to do and trying to get the best advice. And then that 40, starting at 40 to 50, you're sort of in the here and now building and Mm -hmm. helping people and helping yourself and helping your family. And then, boy, you get between that 50 and 60 period, and then you start going, oh, my goodness, I have so much left I want to do. Do I have time to do it? Yeah. So it's those markers are really interesting, and I think all of us who are past sixty now often are are going, "Wow, now how much time do I still have yeah and and I guess this show is about you know one making the most of of the time that we have, 
And and I love the idea of giving people people advice and helping people out so that that you can give them that leg up that they might need. And and then I I I do think it's to to remember whether you're 40, 50 or 70 that it is not too late to make some changes that may enhance your life or others. Um, because, you know, if you if you look at scientific data, it says that by age 60, most of us have already preset our ultimate health outcome. About 75% of di- disease processes and all of that are sort of preset. Now, you can undo wow, I some of that. I thought that would be higher. Yeah. At that at sixty, I would have thought that, that would have been higher than that. You, higher than seventy five percent? No, still twenty five percent. That's encouraging. Of, yeah, it is. It is, and so at at forty something. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. You you have plenty of time, and so I think, and also I would I would like to say that that there are choices that that we make well into our sixties and seventies that that are bad choices because we think that we can't make any changes when in reality we can. For example, I'm going to give you a real deep medical. Somebody who is 65 and who has years before them, but they choose not to have a knee replacement or a hip replacement because it's they're too old and they're just going to give up. That's a terrible thing to do because if you have a joint that needs a replacement – um, then that tells me you are not able to be as active as you could typically be. And so if you're not as active as you could typically be, then your health will decline. And so to make that conscious choice not to do something that's better for you, um, that would be better for you in the ultimate outcome is something that you shouldn't do. And I know it's scary. Something, a medical device is scary, but it's something that can really change your life. So that's one tiny example there. Thanks for listening. This is Relatively Speaking, and I am Dr. Susan Buttress, and I am happy to be here during this drive time, this important time. So let's go back to what my grandmother always said that honey life is what you make it like i said at the beginning of the show the evidence is there there's a lot of scientific evidence and there was a a book recently published by the national geographic that was entitled the great age reboot and it was authored by a physician michael rosen and two others peter lineman and albert ratner and, you know, they they review a lot of the breakthroughs in health and medicine that allow us to live longer. But and they point out the key is the willingness to change. To just live longer is really not what our goal should be, right? It should be to live a good life longer. And so how do you do that? I think we already talked about the fact that it's not just your genes. It's not just luck of the draw. 
perhaps genes help a little bit, but only 20 percent, 20 to 30 percent of the real story. And the fact that our environment and what we do and what we choose to do has a lot more than simply the genes that are imparted to us by our biologic parents. So, so first of all, think about this staggering figure. In the United States, about 40% of early or premature deaths, that's defined as dying before you're 75, are related to lifestyle choices. Now, you may say, no, that's related to cardiac disease. That's related to stroke. That's related to um, to diabetes um, or other things. Well, if you think about it, many of those are worsened by things like diet, the amount we exercise or don't, the way we manage stress or the way we don't manage stress. Um, so there, there are behavioral changes that, that can make a huge difference. Um, and so one thing that you have to understand is we're talking about what the, the epigenetics means is you may have been dealt um, some genes that were not good. But what happens? It's, it's believed that environment and lifestyle choices can influence over a thousand genes that are turned on. And it can also influence over 20,000 genes that are turned off. Okay, so if you have a gene that for, say, depression, and it is turned off, and you make lifestyle choices that are not good for you, poor diet, um, you're not sleeping like you should, you're not managing stress, then that gene can effectively be turned on, okay? And the same thing goes for obesity, substance. There, honestly, there is a, a, there being genes identified daily, and there seems to be a gene site for almost everything in our lives. So, so it's there. It's just whether it's activated, so to speak, or not. I'm putting it in simplistic terms, but it's really not not really deep science. It it truly means that, that they can be turned on or off. So it does seem that implementing changes to physical activity, stress management, and diet make it possible to switch genes on for things like prostate, colon, and breast cancer, believe it or not. So not to say that people who who have been plagued, and I have many in my family, with any of those cancers that that I just mentioned didn't have good lifestyle, but ultimate outcome may be better, and their ability to fight those cancer cells may be better with a better lifestyle and and working, you know, toward taking better care of yourself as you're moving along. And so 
what a what I thought we might want to do is talk about some of the indicators of good health. And many of you out there may be struggling with making those indicators of good health good. And so these are the things that you probably really need to work to focus on as you're moving along. Blood pressure, basal body mass index, Okay, and body mass index, that's your BMI. You've probably heard that. It looks at your height and weight and age and those kinds of things and and then gives you numbers. And you want your BMI to be below 27 is what you want. Okay, your low-density um, cholesterol, your LDL, um, we call it lousy uh, cholesterol. You know, you get an HDL, we call that happy. So high HDL cholesterol is okay. Um, but the, the, the low density are, the, are lousy, and so you don't want that to be high. Fasting blood sugar is another one. You want that below about 106 um, if you're fasting, and by fasting we mean you you shouldn't have eaten, I believe it's at least six hours prior to the draw. Um, some will allow four. And then urine-free of cotinine. Okay, what cotinine is is an indicator of tobacco use. Okay, Um and the reason they're saying urine-free of cotinine means that you don't even have to be a smoker. What you have to be to, to have urine cotinine, okay, because passive smokers often have been found to have that in their urine. So to stay away from people who are smoking, stay out of rooms where people are smoking is much more healthy, okay? And then the final thing that has been said to be a good indicator of health, an indicator of good health, is a stress management program, learning how to manage stress. Now, some people may not need that, but I would dare say (laughs) in this day and time, the majority of individuals need to learn how to better manage stress and to be able to be that resilient individual who is managing stress. So, Jay, as I'm going through those six indicators of good health, do you have any thoughts or comments? Blood pressure, BMI, LDL, cholesterol, fasting, blood sugar, urine-free of cotinine, and then stress management. Uh, a, a bunch of things yeah. kind of crossed my mind. Sleep seems to be like the, the, the through story with all of these, right? It's like sleep. Absolutely. If you pay proper attention to your sleep, uh, like everything else seems to line up. I had a preacher tell me one time, I didn't need to get right to go to God. I need to go to God to get right. And it seems like sleep is something that if you get that right, it helps everything else be more willing to get in line and line up and, you know, 
and, and act correctly, it seems like. Like, it makes everything else so much easier to do and get in line, and it gives you the proper, like, when your brain is rested, it just... It, it gives you more fight for all of that other stuff that you have to wrangle into place. It really does. And I, I don't think people understand what you just said and the, the value of that. It is absolutely profound. And I was talking, actually, I was talking to one of my young friends who was going to medical school and and I was telling them that something that I discovered as an older adult is that as an older adult, my memory got better. And I thought, well, that's weird. That's not how that's supposed to work. That's not <laughs> the way it's supposed to work, right? Yeah. But what has happened as I've gotten older, I've really valued a good night's sleep, and I've worked hard to make sure I get a good night's sleep. And... I mean, studies show it. I know this. I'm a scientist. (laughs) Studies show that your memory and printing is better if you sleep. And that is not, it's not about your brain going to sleep when you go to sleep. It is all about your brain sort of revving up and rejuvenating and imprinting those memories and, and having the time to download everything properly to put it in your kind yeah. of offload terms. the day offload, offload all that, that stuff. data yeah. that's right and so if you don't learn how to offload that that data then then or if you don't allow that to happen then then you're not going to remember things your mood is not going to be as good your your stress hormones will remain up your blood sugar remains up i mean it's the whole nine yards so thank you Thank you for bringing that yeah. up. Because and the other thing is breathing. Oh, it's just breathing, like practice breathing. Sometimes, uh-huh. like that helps with stress. And yeah. I've I've heard people talk, like experts in that field, talk about how if you just take time to breathe, like slowly and deeply, like it can it can fix stress. It can fix blood pressure issues yeah. if people just take time to intentionally breathe deeply. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, listeners, I bet y'all were doing exactly what I did when Jay said that. Because when he said breathing, you know what I did. You did. You had a deep breath. I took a deep breath. And it really is calming and can can change. It It can actually, to me, for me, release maybe some of that mounting tension or anxiety that, that, you know, I think we all feel a little bit, some more than others. and But that breathing, and like you said, you know, sometimes people feel like, well, that is so trite. I keep hearing about breathing, and, you yeah. know, can't they come up with something better? And the answer is... Probably not. No, it's what your body does. <laughs> That's what your body. Yeah. And, and obviously, it's it's automatic. You know, our reticular activating system tells us to breathe. We don't think about breathing, but what it what we do is a rhythm of our breathing. That deep when when we are doing those cleansing or meditation type breathing, it's slower. It's deeper. 
and it feels more cleansing. Well, if you go too long without doing it, your body will do it for you. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Like that post cry, that <laughs> thing that you have, you <laughs> know, you're going, <laughs> that, that thing, that's, yeah, that's your body getting out of, hey, get some of this out of here. Yeah. I got too, too much of this sadness, off board some of this sadness. Exactly. Yeah. And so to to keep in mind that that deep inspiration and that slow expiration, especially if you're ever feeling tense, make yourself stop and do that and I promise you you will feel better. Okay. Yeah. This is a good time for us to Easier said than done. <laughs> it is easier said than done. I know. I know. But I've actually uh, I, the the breathing and sleeping is actually something I was able to tie together because I, I I I heard on a YouTube video or maybe it was on one of our shows or something like that. Somebody talk about how uh, how soldiers get to sleep, you know, because they are they are running around, especially at at the boot camps and stuff yeah, like that. These guys yeah. are running around, throwing their bodies all over the place, and then it's like, hey, it's this time, go to sleep. Yeah. And you got like a, I don't know, three and a half minute window of sleep that they have before they, you know, yank them out of the bed and they start the next day. Yeah. So these guys have to get to sleep as fast as they, they can. can, and they have these breathing techniques, these timed breathing techniques that I'm telling you, if you take the, and I'm as skeptical of that stuff as anybody, but if you take the time and do it, it will knock you out instantly. It, will. it really will. It makes you center. Okay, one more quick thing is while you're breathing, center on your breathing. Think about your breathing. Think about mm-hmm. how the breath sounds. So you can't think about all those other things that are worrying you. Yeah. That's the difference. Absolutely. Let me just reiterate, blood pressure, BMI, keeping your cholesterol, your bad cholesterol down, um, a good fasting blood sugar, staying away from tobacco or passive smoking even, and stress management. Of course, um, Jay and I added sleep to that list because that pervades across all of it and can change everything. But there are a couple of other things I I wanted to to mention um, besides those, making sure those are are normal. One is making sure you're protected from diseases that you you can be protected from. Um, So vaccines, immunizations, go for a wellness check because many of these basic indicators you're not going to know about. You're really not going to have someone keep you on track if you don't have a primary care provider who's going to help you with a wellness check. So, you know, I preach that in pediatrics all the time. Try hard to stay away from emergency rooms. My... um, I have a daughter who is an emergency room physician, and I'm not speaking against her her practice. <laughs> Love her. Think she's a wonderful doc, but... Probably immune to everything. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but you do want to stay away from an emergency rooms if you can. And the way you do that is have a primary care provider who can help you take care of yourself and stay away from there. Also, you know, to make make sure that you have someone, whoever that primary care provider is, who can see you when you need them for an illness um, so that you can take care of it quickly. Pay attention to your body. Um, Ooh, can I, can I ask you a question right there? Oh, sure. So if some folks have some health issues going on, and they continue to go to the same 
physician and they don't feel like they're getting anywhere or maybe they feel like not everything has been seen through. I've, I've heard every one of our physicians here on Southern Remedy say, you're not going to hurt a doctor's feelings if you go get a second opinion. No. And if I, I think a lot of people just trust the person. And it might be maybe you've had a family physician that's been that checked out your parents and all your kids and the mothers over there and all the cousins and all these folks. And this this man or woman's made a, a mint off your family. And he's the one that you're going to ride or die with. Well, not necessarily. If you feel like you're not getting to the end of a situation, yeah, seek that. Seek the end of that out, no matter where it is. Absolutely, and if within some reason, I mean, don't right. don't be ridiculous with yourself and don't fall for like tricks or whatever. But seeking second opinions is not that's not a bad thing. No, doctor hopping or shopping is not something that any of us recommend. Right, if, right, right. If you have, and what do you mean by that when you say hopping like that? Well, when you go to someone and they say something that you don't like, so you go to somebody else, or they won't give you an antibiotic for something right. that you want, then you keep continuing to go to different doctors until you get the answer you until want. Until you get the yeah. answer you want. But if you are going to a physician who either you feel like is not listening or that you continue to have a significant issue and you feel like, you know, they may even say, I'm out of I'm out of tricks in my bag. Yeah. I don't have anything else. Then well, maybe, maybe your physician's opinion that he they he right. or she has seen it all the way through and I just don't see anything there. But you can still have an uneasiness about it. That's okay to pursue. Absolutely. Find somebody else. Get a second opinion. If you have a primary care provider who you feel like consistently isn't listening to you, change. Leave that person. The other thing that that I want to remind people about is to please, please ask questions. If somebody hands you a prescription, Ask why. What is it for? What should I expect it to do? And what are the potential side effects? Now, we as physicians are supposed to go through all that. But if for whatever reason, maybe somebody's in a hurry, maybe you didn't hear it initially because you were stunned at the diagnosis, ask questions. It is not an insult to the doc. It really makes me anxious and worried when one of my relatives when i say why did they give you that and they say i don't know i don't know it's like me find out (laughs) no i'll notice what they said yeah no (laughs) don't do that take charge of of your own health care and that's the way that you can also stay well to make sure you you know you you know what you need to do to stay well and and to move through that. So that's, you know, that's one of those things that I just want to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves and ensuring everything that we need. Okay, as we move um, a little bit further into things that you can do to increase your longevity. Now, there are some people, those um, people who live beyond 100, you know, where many family members live beyond 100. Um, that happens, and, that, and you know, that, that can be a preset 
in your genes. Some of us don't have that. And if we don't, we can live longer by doing the right things. And so I'm going to go through just a few of those right things that that we need to remember um, as we're moving along in, in jail like this. So, pe- <laughs> no, people who live longer now, a days now in the last 30 years, tend to use technology. Hmm. I know. So we all worry about people using t- technology too much and being too sedentary and, and you know, not staying connected. But apparently um, using technology to stay connected can be very, very helpful. Yeah. It also encourages you to continue to read, to investigate things, to learn new things. We, we laugh all the time. Whatever your search engine is, of course, I think many use Google. You know, if, if I don't know something now, I search for it, which is something before I'd go, oh, well, I'll look that up later, and many times I didn't. Right. But now I can. I can do it almost immediately, which is sometimes distracting, but really good for your brain because you continue to learn. You keep those wheels turning. It's easier to seek things all the way out. Yeah. And so to keep that in mind, and and for those of us who I remember the first computers when they were out, you really could do something wrong and the whole thing would die (laughs) and explode. That doesn't happen anymore. You can recover almost anything. Yeah. So for... For those people over 60, make yourselves get comfortable with technology. Um, It's a fun learning thing, and sometimes it can be a steep learning curve, and you don't have to learn everything. But knowing basics are are really good good for for you. Absolutely. And if you're under 60, uh, don't let that apply to social media. Don't Don't get to the bottom of social media every time you're on there. Oh, isn't that the truth? Yeah. That is. That'll all be there later. It'll all be there. So make yourself do other, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it, useful things um, <laughs> before, yeah. you know, I, I think. It's in, just, a, it's such an easy thing to fall into. It It is. It's just scrolling. Scrolling is so easy. But hearing people talk about how, you know, for, you know, centuries and centuries and centuries, our brains didn't shift through emotions like that it just and and now you know right we we go from one extreme of emotion to the other yeah in 15 seconds five or six different times happy sad this is crazy what is that yeah you know why are these people obnoxious i hate that guy and it's just i mean you you run the game and oh look at that kitty cat it's (laughs) what you know (laughs) it can be a time warp it is so right use technology to to stay connected to learn um to communicate, um, I think that's great. I have an aunt who is almost 90, and she emails me, and I love it. That's, that's the awesome. way we stay connected. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, we talk, but she emails not just me, but several family members, and we all talk about it. It's wonderful. Yeah. And, you know, she's in Atlanta, five and a half hours away from my home, so I don't get to see her as often as I would like, but I do get to see her. And so that's, uh, and I do get to communicate with her. 
and and that's important and i think it makes her feel good too um you know the other thing that we've talked about often is friends have friends have a buddy um keep yourself connected to others and make sure that that if you see somebody who needs you, you reach out to them because you might help their quality of life. All right. And then just if you do a few little things that matter to others, it matters to you. If you do something that makes others feel good, it feels good to you. Mm. I promise. Right? Mm. And so if you do that, There are data, if you're one of those do-gooders who do good things, there are data that say that you too will live longer. So those are my tips for today. I hope that helps, and I hope our listeners all do well for the rest of the week. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's made possible in part by contributions from podcast listeners. Please consider making a contribution by going to the Donate Now tab at mpbonline.org. Thanks for your financial support.